turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today, uh, as I shared earlier, the Lord has uh, shown me this week uh, an illustration that, that's, um, that I want to share with you. And it's some of the most valuable lessons that I have learned in life and in ministry. And so you want to pay close attention this morning. It's uh, something I believe that each one of us will see ourselves in this somewhere, um, either in the past or in the present. And hopefully you're going to see some things that God wants to do in your future. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I think we're all going to glean and learn something from it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. King James Version says a creature, but actually the best translation is a create new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, that means you can see it. There's something visible. Behold, all things. Everybody say all things. All things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him let's pray father this morning as I share God what you have shown me this week Lord I pray father that each one of us will receive it in the same spirit God that you intended Lord and it will be used God to Take us just a little bit deeper in you, God, to raise us up a little bit higher, God, to show us a little bit clearer the plan that you have for our lives individually, Lord, and how that we can serve you, God, and serve you with gladness no matter what the situation and no matter what we face. So, Father, just have your way. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to come and do in the, in the spirit realm what I cannot do. Uh, I pray for your anointing, God, to come upon me, Lord, that I can just share your truth, God, that nothing that I say, Lord, will be of man, but may it be the truth in and of you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, when Jesus walked among men, one of his main methods of ministry was he taught in parables. He taught most everything that he taught was in parables. It basically is just taking something that is natural, that's pictorial, and giving it as an illustration to show you something that's deeper in the spirit and spiritual. He taught about, I shared with you this morning, about the farmer, the sower. Farmers going out and sowing seed. They were familiar with that kind of thing. So it painted a picture for them. And it would always, he would always say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like unto, and then he would give an example. He talked about the prodigal son, two sons, an older and a younger. One stayed home, one went and spent all of his money. Give a parable of the ten virgins. There were five foolish ones and five wise ones. He gave a parable of a mustard seed, how small it is. It's the smallest of all seeds, but yet it grows into a bush so that birds can nest in it. 
He gave a parable of a man that was going, he was a traveler, going on a trip, and he called his servants to him. He gave one of them five talents, he gave one two, and he gave one of them one. The man with five doubled his, the man with two doubles his, the man with one went out and buried his. And he given an illustration of what that meant. He'd given a parable about a treasure that was hid in a hill, in a field. And when a man found that treasure, he went and sold everything that he had and went and bought that field. Another man that was looking for a precious pearl and said when he finally found a pearl of great price, he sold everything that he had to buy that pearl. He talked about the kingdom of heaven is like a net in one parable. He said the net is drawn in and they'll take all the fish and they'll take those that are good and put them in a vessel and the rest of they will throw them away. And he says, and it'll be like that in the end time. The angels will come. And that they will, they will cast out that which is bad, and they will keep that which is good. And said so they will sever the wicked from the just. And said that they will cast them into the furnace of fire, where there is wetting and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus taught a lot in parables. It says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, He said, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake He not unto them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So a parable, using parables, is a very good way to get a message across of deep spiritual things. So this morning, God has kind of given me some illustrations to get across some things that I believe He wants us to learn today. However, the message today is not exactly a parable. It's more like an allegory. And, and sometimes we get those two confused. Because a parable, the Holmes Dic, uh, Dictionary defines it as this. A parable means putting a, alongside for the purpose of comparison and new understanding. A parable utilizes pictures such as metaphors or similes and frequently intends them into a brief story, extends them into a brief story, to make a point or disclosure. Nevertheless, a parable is not synonymous with an allegory. The difference between a parable and an allegory turns on the number of comparisons. A parable may convey other images and implications, but it is only one main point established by the basic comparison of the internal uh, juxtaposition. A juxtaposition means putting things side by side. So an allegory, it, it makes comparisons, and it makes many comparisons, and it provides a series of pictures symbolizing the series of examples, and each detail is a separate metaphor with which conveys the intended message. So this morning, really, what I have is more like an allegory uh, uh, to get across this message that the Lord is wanting us to see. And it's the allegory is about car tires, of all things. Car tires. <laughs> God, I'm saying God, I woke up this week, and by no design of my own, I was thinking about car tires. And how life is like a car tire. Folks, I wouldn't have thought of that. But the more I laid in the bed thinking about that, life really is like a car tire. Because when you, if you're a car tire, are you up or down? Sometimes you don't know what you are. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. 
Sometimes you're on the top, but sometimes you're under the low. Sometimes you're full. Sometimes you're feeling a little low. Life is like a car tire. Amen. Sometimes you're well-rounded. Sometimes you're flat as a flitter. Huh? Life is like a car tire. Sometimes you're clean. Sometimes you're dirty. Sometimes you're new and useful. Sometimes you feel old and wore out. Anybody feel like a tire in here this morning? Huh? If you're in the rear, you have no control over where you're going. All they want you to do is shut up and push. And if you're in the front, you get blamed for everything no matter where you go. Huh? All you know is you just get pushed around everywhere. Anybody feel like a car tire? Sometimes you're going forward. Sometimes you're going backwards. Sometimes you're coasting. But most of the time, all you're doing is working. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Life is like a car tire. Am I right or right? Huh? So then I started thinking about how many different kinds of tires there are. You have the, what I call the show tire. Oh, this is the envy of the entire world. The entire tire world. Oh, yeah. You've got it all, brother. You look expensive. I mean, you've got the looks. You've got the snap. You're flashy. You only hang out with the best, the elite. You might be considered arrogant, stuck up, huh? Because you never get dirty. If they get a little dirt on you, they wash it right off. <laughs> they roll you right off the trailer and right on to the showcase floor. It seems that the good times will last forever. Seems like you will never wear out because you're so well taken care of. Some people got it all, man. <laughs> And then one day they realize they're dry rotted. A lot of good tread. Look good in places, but worthless. And so all of a sudden their whole world comes crashing in. How many people have you known that they have had it all? But they say, I had everything, but still I wasn't satisfied. They come to a point where their whole world come crashing in on them. We've all heard those testimonies. I had it all. And all at once I realized I had nothing. My whole world come crashing in on me. Then you got the racing tire. This is the guy that loves to live in the fast lane. Oh yeah, he is out late at night. He parties hard. Never changes. Just goes in the same stupid circle all the time. Seems like he never learns. Life is short for the racing tire. Because he runs hard and he wears out quick. That's why you got a pit crew, because he rolled in there, man, he didn't last long. <laughs> Life was fun, brother, but it was over in a hurry. Huh? He shows his age before his time. Life is exciting, but you pay a terrible price for it. Life is like a car tire, right? Then you got what I call the desert dog. That's the sandblaster. I had a 1975 Toyota Land Cruiser in 1977. That baby was two years old, and it would climb a pine tree if it could get traction. 
That thing was a beast, man. And I had a set of desert dogs on that puppy. And you could go out on the sand with that thing, and it would just keep right on trucking. Because, see, that's a special design. It's not just your average tire. It's made to go where others can't go. See, that's the guy that's gifted. You know anybody that's gifted? Very talented, at least when they're on sand. They're good at what they do. While others are bogged down with a shifting world that is beneath them, they just get a new grip and just keep on moving as if the road is solid. It doesn't get too hot for you. It's a dirty job, but you get it done. Other tires envy you. You seem to have so much fun because uh, you're always going to fun places, to the beach, whatever. It's just life is good, man. You got everything. You got the talent. You got all the things that everybody else would love to have. And you're always having fun. But you learn that life is about more than just playing in the sand. And when the rubber meets the road, you wear out quick. Because you're not designed for that. You get depressed easily. You long for the fun all the time. Because all you want to do is play. You're not very useful in the real world if you're a desert dog. Life is like a car tire. Amen? Then you got the cheap tire. <laughs> These are the kind of tires that... <laughs> A lot of us put on our car, you know, Sam's Club special. What it is about a Sam's Club tire? It never seems to last. We would always go there because they were cheaper. Put that thing on it, and it seemed like tomorrow the thing is wore out again. You just got to get it. We just put them on there, and they're wore out already. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? They just don't seem to last. They're just plain tires. Nothing special about them. But they're easy on the pocketbook. Nobody really notices the cheap tire. It just goes through life without any real purpose other than to just make it as long as you can. This tire plays out quick because it has no self-value. Now listen to me, folks. If you don't think you are important, nobody else will. Some of us feel like a cheap tire. We don't last long because we don't see ourselves as really anything special. And if you don't see yourself as something important, nobody else will. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And not only that, but when you come to Christ, you're made over in His image. You are important. You are special. You're not just something cheap. You're not just hanging in there trying to last as long as you can. You are something special. Then you got the multiplier tire. That's the truck tire. That's the workhorse. That's the guy that can carry the load, man. Nothing seems to bother this guy. When others are falling apart, he keeps standing strong. Because he's got more layers than everybody else. There's some people that just seem like they're just always like the rock of Gibraltar, you know. Just nothing gets them down. The problem is, life is no fun because you never relax. You work so hard that you don't even notice that you are wore out and you're ready to pop. 
Because I, I've, I've had some of those tires, truck tires, multi-ply, six-ply, eight-ply tires. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They've got strong sidewalls. And you don't use How many times do you look at the tread of a tire when you walk by? You, most time you see if it's bulging, if it's got low air pressure or whatever. And the thing about that is it stands tall all the time, even when it's slick. And most of the time, it seems like these tire, that type of tires, they're hard rubber. They wear out pretty fast, but they, they are wore out and they're ready to pop. See, the thing about that multiplied tire is you need to find a place to rest. Folks, some people are so driven. Got any overachievers in here? You just push yourself and push yourself and push yourself. You say yes to everything. And the next thing you know, you're ready to blow up. Because you're burnt completely out and you didn't even see it coming. Anybody feel like a truck tire? I know what being a truck tire is all about. Because it's hard to say no. You feel like you can do anything and everything and you try to. Only you realize you can't do everything. Sometimes you have to say no. You've got to find a place to rest. You've got to find a place to relax or you will wear out and you will pop. Then you have the mudder. The mudder tire. This is the mud dog, you know. The, I had a little 1974 Ford pickup truck with a pair of mini mudders on it. Two-wheel drive. And that baby, you couldn't get it stuck. That thing would get down and grunt. Man, it would throw chunks of mud big as your fist by the window. And it would just keep on rooting, man. Mud tires are rough and tough, aggressive, intimidating, willing to get down and dirty. Anybody feel like a mud tire in here this morning? In fact, you only feel at home when you're in the dirt. And when you are needed, nothing else can do it like you can do it. But, if you ever try to fit in with the rest of the tires, you feel out of place. You wish you could fit in, but you seem to stick out everywhere. You've got cleats sticking out here and cleats sticking out there, and you just don't look like the rest of the tires. You're loud and you're scary. You can hear you coming for ten miles away. I know, because there's a young man in our church put some great big old mud tires on his truck. I could hear him when he left his house. And he lives eight miles up the road. I could hear him coming. And I live two miles off the road. And I could hear him going down 522. I know sometimes he'd come to the house and when he'd leave, I'd hear him all the way. I'd hear him when he turned on 522. And I think I'd hear him when he hit Gum Spring. They're loud and scary. The work you do leaves you dirty. You're embarrassed to be seen with the other tires. You see the thing about a mud tire? You're special. Only you don't know how to be anything other than what you are. You would like to be more universal, but you just don't know how. But you see, God made you what you are. And sometimes we need to just be satisfied with what we are. And if God made you a mud tire, brother, there's a purpose for you. And you don't need to feel out of place just because you're not like every other tire. 
Life is like a car tire. Anybody in here feel like a mud tire? And then you got the favorite of all, the all-terrain tire. Because the all-terrain, brother, it's got it all. Man, that thing got style. It's expensive, but it's worth the extra money. It's got a long life. They seem to last forever. Recommend a good brand for you. Um, what was that what you used to put on the... Bridgestones, man, that thing will last forever. I put a set of Bridgestones, they're expensive, but you couldn't wear the thing out. We had 170-some thousand miles on that truck, and it only put two sets of tires on. Bridgestone, tough, all-terrain, good in the snow, good in the mud, good on the sand, good everywhere. They're just good all the way around. They're good at everything. Seems they fit in every environment. All the other tires wish they could be like you. You seem to be perfect. You know anybody that's just an all-terrain tire? Huh? I've known people like that. It's like, man, which guy's got everything. You know? Talented, good-looking, got plenty of money. Some people just need to be a rear tire to shut up and push. <laughs> Life is like a car tire. But even with the universal, the perfect tire, just like every other tire, Sooner or later, you wear out too. Because one thing that they all have in common is you will come to the end of yourself. You will wear out sooner or later. And when that happens, you have a choice to make. Every person in life, I don't care what kind of person they are, they come to a point where they have to make a choice. And when they get to that point, they're either going to be discarded and destroyed or they're going to get a new start in life. Old tires have lived their life and they're discarded. They're chewed up, they're buried, they're burned. In some way, they're destroyed. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto everyone wants to die. Every tire, it dies sooner or later. I don't care how perfect it is or how useless it may seem. It's going to die. And after that comes the judgment. The good news is that you can be made new. You see, there's something you can do to a tire. You can recap that baby. Yeah, you can. Make it brand new again. Give it new life. It's useful again. Now, I know I have some personal experience with this because the first real job I ever had well the first one was while I was a senior in high school I only went part of the day and so I got out and I bagged groceries at buy load grocery store and I realized real quick this was not the life for me nothing wrong with being a grocery person if that's what you do God bless you I'm sure you love it I, but I didn't I didn't want to spend my life putting groceries in a bag for people and carrying them out and saying thank you ma'am have a nice day that just wasn't my forte so I got a real job I went to work for Chad's Tire Company yes sir buddy I walked in you could smell the rubber the grease 
You could hear the pack ring. Boom, 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 boom. That was, man, it was a, you know, Tim Taylor, tough guy. I, it was just it was my kind of thing, you know. And I walked in there, boy, and I thought I, I had arrived, man. I had me a real job at a tire company. And they had a recap shop in the back. And so I learned a little bit about recaps. Now, the question about coming to the end of yourself as a tire is what does it take to get you to the point to where you realize you need help? It's time for a makeover. Because we would have people come in, and some of them, they were, they were attentive about the tires that they had. And they realized that it still had some tread on it, but it didn't have enough to suit them. They didn't feel safe with it, so they would want new tires. And they would pull that tire off while it still had some tread on it. And we would take that tire and we would decide to recap that tire. The thing about that tire, though, even though it still had tread on it, and this is true about every tire, it had battle scars. Some of them had chunks of rubber missing out of them. Some of them had big marks where they ran up on the curb. Nobody in here runs up on curbs, I know. Where they'd been abused, they'd been taken off the road and ran over things that tires wasn't designed to run over. Everybody's got scars. Amen? Anybody in here feel like a car tire? You've got scars. We've all got scars. We used to sing a song that says, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a song. Each one's a little different about what went wrong. But then the Savior came. And He took the blame. He changed everything. You see, sometimes you might feel like you still got some good things going on, but folks, we all need Jesus in our life. Because whether you have come to the end of yourself yet or not, you will get there. The question is, what does it take to get you to the point where you realize, I need help? And some people, they realize that early in life. Some people, they come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they yield to the Holy Spirit and they're very willing to let the Holy Spirit do a work in them. But some people, brother, they won't do it until they are ready to pop. We call them Maypops. Anybody ever here drove on a Maypop? A Maypop is a tire that is so slick and bald and any tread left on it, it may pop at any minute. How would I know about driving a Maypop? Brother, I have ridden around in automobiles with tires on it that I'd be afraid to walk beside. I was talking to a brother the other day, and he said, I was sitting in my car reading my Bible, and all of a sudden I felt the car go, boom. And he thought, who bought my car? And he got out, walked around, and there was his tire, flat as a flitter. Went flat, sitting there. And so he had to go to an expense of getting some tires to put on his car. But what he realized was if that tire hadn't went flat there, it would have went flat while I was on the road. So God actually did him a favor. But sometimes we ride around on Maypops. And sometimes people, they will not change anything in their life until they have absolutely come to the end of themselves. Till they don't have any other choice. They realize, I've got to do something about my condition or I am going to pop. 
Some people just won't come to Christ. God will convict them and convict them and convict them and convict them. And they keep saying, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I still want to do this. I still want to do that. And they've got all these things in life that they want to do that seem so much more important. They, they will not yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit until something happens. And sometimes it takes something very severe. Their life is falling apart, their family, their marriage, a tragedy, a health, something. And they realize, I, I've got to do something about this. And so whatever it takes, we're going to just consider that the tire, whatever kind of tire you are, all terrain, multiply, mud, snow, desert dog, whatever you might be, you come to the end of yourself and you decide, I'm going to change. And so then the process begins. When we come to Christ Jesus and we repent, the Bible says He makes us a new creation, right? Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God saves us. And folks, there is something that changes inside, doesn't it? And we think, wow, man. Hallelujah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this process. So what is the first thing that you do when you get ready to change this tire and make it brand new? You jack that baby up. And all of a sudden, all the pressure's gone. You think, whoo, hallelujah, I don't have to carry the load anymore, brother. My burden has been lifted. I have been set free from the old life. My toil is over. I'm ready to begin my new journey. I've got peace and joy and lasting happiness. Isn't that what salvation is all about, right? I mean, that's what we're told, right? And that is a part of it. We do. I mean, we instantly, we come to Christ, you should feel something change in you. You should have that sense of release, you know. And you think, man, wow, this is great. Hallelujah. No more mud, no more snow, no more hot, no more cold. No more rough roads, no more heavy loads. Brother, life is going to be good. And God just looks at us and smiles while He picks us up and puts us on the altar. I mean, the tire machine. Right? Life is like a car tire. And the first thing He does is He starts taking out your stem. And then you go... Because God cannot separate you. From old things that needs to pass away until he empties you. And folks, there's a lot of people that never get beyond that. God can't use you if you're full of you. He has to empty you first. You can go no further until this process is complete. You can't separate from the old rim, the old lifestyle. So our prayer should be, and my prayer is, God, empty me of myself. Fill me, God. Fill me with your presence. I want to be filled with your presence. But to get filled with his presence, folks, there's a process that's got to take place here. And it's taken me a long time to learn some of these things. I hope you're paying attention because this is some good stuff. Amen? Amen? Then the next thing he's going to do on that tire machine is he's going to put this big old wedge thing on you and he's going to start pushing on you to break you loose, pop you from the rim. 
Now, they've got things that does that with air pressure nowadays. I've got, I've got a real tire machine at home. It's a man's tire machine, brother. You've got to do that thing with muscle. And then once you pop that baby loose, you stick a big old rod in that thing, and you bend and twist that tire up and get it on top of the rim, and then you start hammering it around and beating that tire off of that rim. How many of you feel like a car tire? When you came to Jesus and God trying to separate you from your old life and all you feel is pressure. He's stretching you and there's pain to get you off of that thing. Because see, sometimes they don't tell you all of that when you come to Christ. So you're going to have peace and joy and lasting happiness. No, you're going to have trials and tribulations and suffers and, 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 and hard work sometimes to get you where He wants to take you. So he's got to dismount you. He's got to strip you from the past. So reformation can begin when this happens. Second Corinthians chapter six seventeen says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. God wants to separate you from that old thing, that old rim, that old lifestyle. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Folks, you've got to be separated from that. And God wants to get you off of that old rim. Because He's got a process that He's got to take you through to make you brand new. Yeah. Don't you wish that if when we come to Christ Jesus, old things would just be, they're gone like that? All things become new like that? It doesn't work that way. Then the next thing that happens comes the cleansing. We'd take that tire out of the tire shop, and man, we cleaned that baby inside and out. It had to be clean. Because before you put that recap on it, you can't put it on there with dirt on there. you got to get it clean. And there's chemicals and agents and stuff that gets that rubber all nice and clean inside and out. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What is he saying? you got to cleanse your outside, and you got to cleanse your inside. Because if you don't, you're double-minded. He's wanting to clean you up inside and out. God wants to remove all of that stuff. When we come to Christ Jesus, he said, old things pass away. All of the old things pass away. And behold, all things becomes new. Then he takes you, and we would roll that thing back into the tire shop, and we think, whew, man, I'm finally clean. Hallelujah. Man, I'm glad that's over with. Them chemicals burn, man. But I'm clean. And then they set you up on this machine, and then they take a grinder, and they start grinding the tread off of you. Because they've got to get you right down to the bare foundation. Sometimes old habits die hard. Anybody in here ever have a trouble with old habits? You try to get over it and you find yourself doing it again. And you just go back to God and say, God, please help me with this, Lord. You know I don't want to keep doing this. And he grinds a little bit more. You find yourself, you still got some tread left. You go back to God and he grinds a little bit more. And finally you get that thing, because if you don't get it ground down, if you leave the old tread on there, that new tread will not stick. Have you ever been going, uh, going down the highway, the interstate, and you see big chunks of rubber laying in the road that came off of a tractor trailer truck? That's the recap that came off because they didn't get the old tread off. 
They didn't get it prepared properly. And so we come apart. I've seen people that came apart because they, they stepped out before it was time to step out. There were still some issues that wasn't dealt with, and they tried to step into an area they wasn't ready for. And they come apart. Life is like a car tire. Folks, you can't build on old brick. We, we had an earthquake around here, right? Yeah. And some houses were pretty messed up. And, and it cracked the blocks and the foundation on a lot of houses. And if it's damaged enough, you can't just go in and patch it up and build on top of it. You've got to tear it all the way back down, right down to the, to the footer. And if the footer is solid, the foundation is solid, then you, that's what you've got to build on. Because if you build on that cracked block, what you build is not going to last. The next thing that happens after you're all cleaned up and you're ground off and you're prepped is you get the anointing and the cloak of God wraps around you. Because they would take glue and they would just glue that whole tire and they would wrap that brand new piece of rubber around it. And that's the way we are. Once we get to a point where God has cleaned us and He's prepped us, then it's time for the anointing to come upon you and His cloak to come upon you. That's the calling that He has for you. And the anointing is the ability for you to do that calling, walk in that calling. And so you get that cloak wrapped around you. And you think, whoo, man, I got the anointing. Hallelujah. Ah, Jesus got His arms wrapped around me. Now I'm ready to serve. But then He picks you up and He puts you on another machine. And that's when the pressure begins. Because it's pushing you from the inside and there's this mole that comes up and it starts pressing that rubber on the outside and then it starts to heat up. And you've got pressure inside and pressure outside to form you into what God wants to make you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, are you still with me? Yeah. Verse 8, it says this, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also in Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Brother, I'm going to have a brand new tread. Uh, behold, all things become new. You're going to see it. He says in verse 11, For we which live are delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. See, Paul called this pressure. Anybody ever? I hope you've gotten to that point where the anointing has come and you feel the pressure, brother. When you step out in the ministry, you feel that pressure instantly. Paul called it light affliction for his glory. In verse, going down to verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See the thing about God's recap? is that it'll never wear out. It'll last forever. It'll stand strong when the rest can't. And God wants to do a work in you, but there's a process you've got to go through. Now, I don't know what that pressure and that fire will produce, but what I do know is whatever it produces, it will be for God's glory. 
not mine. Amen? And we need to understand that. So then after that process is done and you're, you're in that mold, brother, and the pressure is so unbelievable, you just think you can't take it and you just keep depending on God that this thing is going to work out. And all of a sudden, it just goes, Phew! And it releases, man, and they pop you out and you are a brand new recap tire, brother. You look good. Got a new tread. Smell good. Smell like a rubber, man. That, if you like that kind of smell. And the whole time you're in that mold, you're thinking, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Because <laughs> sometimes we're going through it and you say, how's it going, brother? I'm under attack. Oh, pray for me. You're not under attack. You're just in the mold. God's trying to shape you into something He can use. And finally it pops off and they roll you out and you say, Woo, glory to God, the process is done. I'm clean, I'm fresh, I'm new. Brother, I'm anointed and I'm ordained. I'm ready to serve. Where do you need me, God? You go rolling out and you see your reflection in the window. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. I'm a mud tire. God! I wasn't supposed to be a mud tire. I'm supposed to be an all-terrain. I don't want to get down in the mud and the dirt. I'm supposed to be something important. I'm supposed to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. Everybody known anybody in the church and they're like, they're supposed to be something other than what they are and they're never happy with what God gave them? Folks, we need to be content with what God has called us to do. If He calls you to be a mud tire, glory in the mud. Hallelujah. Get down and root, brother, because there's some places that you've got to go. Nobody else can do it but you. Because if you've ever been in the mud and you've got a street tire on, all you're going to do is sit there and spin. You've got to have a mudder. Brother, something that can get down and root. And sometimes God has made you that person. Maybe you don't fit in with all the rest. Maybe you do feel out of place, but you're special. And so, okay, so you see your reflection in the and you're like, you're in all terrain. You're like, an all terrain? Wait a minute, God, I can't do this. Lord, I can't be all things to all people. I'd have been happier just to be a mutter. Why is it we're never satisfied? Come on. Come on, huh? What is it about that? You're a multiplier. I'm a multiplier. God, I can't stand up under that load. Lord, I don't want to work that hard. Why can't I just be a show tire? Well, they keep me nice and clean. They roll me out on the show floor. Huh? But let me tell you something, church. Are you with me? Can you still hear me? You're not going to be judged when you stand before God for what you did. You're going to be judged for what God called you to do did you rejoice in what God called you to do David said I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to stand in the seat of sinful men it doesn't matter God the Bible says if God just requires a glass of water at your hand if that's all he asks of you then be obedient don't be, well, why didn't God do great things with me? Because let me tell you something about the judgment seat of Christ. We think that all these big name anointed, hallelujah, men of God are going to be standing at the head of the line. No, no. 
It may be some person in the church that you never even knew was in the church. That God never asked them to do anything but get down on their knees at their home and pray. And they were obedient to what God called them to do with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Whatever He has called you to do. It doesn't matter if you're a mud tire, an all-terrain, a show tire, a snow tire. It doesn't matter. Be happy with what God has called you to do. Romans 9.20 But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay? And from the same lump to make a vessel of honor and another does dishonor. And so he rolls you out and you say, okay, all right, all right, already. I'm a mud tire. I'm good with that. Praise God. I'm an all-terrain. Hallelujah. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Okay, I'm a multiply tire. There is no load that's too heavy. He will strengthen me. I will run to him when I am burdened and heavy laden. I'll take his yoke upon me and he'll give me rest. I can do this. Okay, God, I'm ready. I've accepted what I am. I'm going to serve you with gladness. I'm ready to serve. Where do you need me, brother? I am ready to go. What do you want me to do? Just point me in the right direction. And what does he do? He puts you on the shelf. He puts you on the shelf. And you're like, wait a minute, God. You mean to tell me I went through all of that just to sit here on the shelf? You're not even using me. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says this, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Brother, that's one thing you never want to pray for. You know what you get when you pray for patience? (laughs) Trials and tribulation. (laughs) But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. You see, the thing is, is we're anxious, but God is not. We're in a hurry, but God is never in a hurry. We're very impatient, but God is not impatient. And sometimes when we're not doing what we think God ought to have us doing, we're thinking, God's holding me back. He ought to be doing more with my gifts. I mean, I've studied. I've got a degree. I mean, look at me. i got good-looking tread. I can take it all. I mean, I can do this. And God's not even using me. They don't even recognize me down at that church. They're holding me back. They know I'd be the best teacher in the whole church, and they won't even give me a chance to teach. They're holding me back. Why they don't use me? Bound to see my gifting, my anointing. Holding me back. But see, if God's got you on the shelf, He's not going to use you until He is ready to use you. And when God is ready for you, He will let you know. So you need to just rest in there. Just rest in God. Yeah. See, this is, this is something I had to learn. I always felt like I had to be doing something. I, I still, I, I, that's a part of my makeup. I, I just... I, I, it's hard for me to rest. 
But I had to learn with God that sometimes if He didn't tell you to do something, then that's what you need to do. Nothing. And it was the hardest thing for me to realize, that's okay. Because sometimes God just says, wait. Just wait. Maybe you're not ready to do that yet. Or maybe if you step out there and do it, it's, going to, it's not going to work. Because they're not ready yet. Or there's some reason that God will keep you on the shelf. And then finally the time will come when it's your time. And so they roll a car up in there, and that thing's coming in, and they jack it up, and they come in and says, all right, it's your time. We've got an opening for you. This guy here, he's had a blowout. See, that guy didn't realize he had a May Pop, and that May Pop popped. You know, it went too far, and now we need you. And so they go get you, and they take you out there, and they jack that car up, and they roll you out, and they mount you, and they bolt you on, and then they let the jack down. And immediately, you feel the weight of the ministry upon you. And trust me, people, when God puts you in that place, immediately, you will feel the weight, the responsibility. Who shall handle the oracles of God? Who shall ascend to the hills of God? But he does have clean hands and a pure heart. And when, when you get in that position, it is a very, very serious place to be. And you will sense that. It's a pressure. It's a, it's a weightiness. And you will feel that just as soon as you step into it. And a lot of people, they, they, they go into the ministry with a spiritual arrogance sometimes. I notice this when, especially people coming right out of Bible college. Brother, they've got the degree, man. They know everything that the pastor thought he knew. See? Everything he should have been doing, they're going to do it, brother. They're going to do it better and bigger because they're smarter. They know more. And so they walk out the door and they're ready to go, brother. They've done put you on the car and you're looking around at all these other three war out tired. You're like, I'm going to stand strong. Bless God. I'm going to do it. I'm ready. And they take you for a test drive and the car's going... Because the thing about a recap... How many of you know what a recap's like? Huh? When they wrap that rubber around, when it meets, it's thicker where it meets than it is anywhere else on the tire. That means there's a high side. And that means every time that thing rolls around, it's out of balance. And brother, that thing... It'll shake the car apart. And so you can't take it out and run it like that. And you thought you were ready for ministry. No, 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 no. Then they jack you back up again. And then they put this other machine on and it turns you round and round. And then here comes the razor blade. Because it's got to trim all of that stuff that's out of balance off of you. And it rolls around and it hits a high spot and goes, cuts it off and it rolls around every time it hits a high spot. And you keep doing that and keep running that blade a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper from one side of that tire all the way to the other until you cut a thin slice all the way around that tire and you true the tire. Now you're ready for the ministry. And how long does it take to get there? A lifetime. Because see, sometimes we got, we got things out of balance and we don't even know it. And folks, the church is full of people like that. 
And they're going out and teaching things that's out of balance, you know. All I've got to do is name and claim it, bless God, and God will give me this and give me that. He wants me to be rich. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Brother, you can sin. It doesn't matter. You're going to heaven. Things are out of balance. You know, either you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. It's predestined. And God wants to get this stuff in balance. And sometimes He's got to work on you for a while to get you there. But finally, you're there. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we made it? Glory to God. And then you realize it's that humility that comes on. You realize the reason that I'm here, the real reason that I'm here, is because all of that experience that I have gone through, it's given me knowledge. But knowledge without understanding is no good. It's also given me understanding. Understanding without wisdom is not much good. It's given me wisdom. Because see, understanding just tells me the things that I've learned, I understand them. Wisdom tells me how to use those things. And so here I am, and I look over there, and, and here's another tire, and they're a maypop, brother. I mean, they're, they're ready to go. And God has put me there. And I see them, and I see all that they're going through and all the pressures that they're under. And I know they're just about ready to pop. And God has given me the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom to help them. See, He has reconciled me through Jesus Christ. The word reconciled in the English dictionary says this. It means that someone or something is completely altered and adjusted to a required standard. So he's altered me and adjusted me to a required standard. And he's given me the ministry of reconciliation. That's why I went through all of that. So I can help you and you and you and you. Here's a person still got tread over there. They're looking good. They've got a lot going for them. But they still need Jesus. Here's a guy that feels like all he does is just shut up and push. And he's discouraged. I'm there to let him know, look, it's a great honor to push, to keep this thing going. Here's a guy, and he doesn't even have any choice on which way he's turning. It's the guy driving a car decides that. All he knows, he gets blamed for everything. And he's discouraged. And I'm there with my understanding, my knowledge, my wisdom to tell him it's a great privilege to have the master turn. It doesn't matter if they blame you. Just go where he tells you to go. You let him worry about the rest. To encourage them. Folks, this is what we are called to. It's a process. Sometimes it's a painful process. But this is what I've learned. That as hard as it may sound, as unwilling as we may be to go through all those things, there is a sense of peace and joy and satisfaction that can be found in yielding to the Master's plan that you cannot find any other way. People try it. 
But there is no peace or joy outside of yielding. God, I'm talking about completely yielding to what God's wanting to do in your life. He wants to make you brand new. And if you're in Christ Jesus, the old things, they've got to pass away. Behold, He wants to make all things new. But I hope this morning you see there's a process we've got to go through. Now that process can go over a whole lifetime, or it can go pretty quick. I've seen it go quick in some people's lives. Serving the Lord with gladness. Young people. Learn things, operating things. It took me. I'm hard-headed. Boy, I'm slow on the taking. <laughs> Once I get it, I get it. But boy, it's hard to get it, you know. But that's what we're called to. Amen? Did you get anything out of that? Praise God. Stand to your feet.